Welcome to Inside ADHD, the official podcast for ADHDfamilies.ca. This podcast provides parents with current research about ADHD and strategies for helping their children. ADHDfamilies.ca is a resource website for parents of children who have ADHD. All of the resources have been evaluated by experts in the field of ADHD, so parents can feel confident that they are receiving trustworthy information. Visit ADHDfamilies.ca and follow us on Twitter. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Inside ADHD, the official podcast to ADHDfamilies.ca. My name is Krista Forand. I'm a registered psychologist at the Can Learn Society in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Thanks for listening today. I'm really excited about the topic that we're going to talk about. And as promised um, in our previous podcast about executive function, today's topic is about working memory which is part of the executive function system and uh, a, lot, uh, a lot of people may argue is one of the most important parts of the executive function. So I'm going to talk a bit about what working memory actually is. I'm going to talk about how working memory and attention uh, play a role together and how that looks with ADHD. And then I'll offer some strategies for how to get the most out of your working memory, whether you have difficulties with attention or not. So working memory, like I said, is part of the executive function system, and that is a system that allows us to plan, organize, manage time, stop ourselves from acting without thinking, and monitor our behavior and emotions. Specifically, working memory, I like to conceptualize it as the space where you hold and work with information in conscious awareness, so in a given moment. Some may picture it as as working memory as an actual workspace or a desktop or a table where information can be gathered to complete a task or solve a problem. And we use working memory all day long in this way. Um, It's not the same as short-term memory, although the two certainly work together. So, for example, you would use short-term memory to rehearse a phone number as you walk over to pick up your phone. You'd use working memory to hold the number in your mind while your fingers dialed it. So working memory involves doing something with the information that you're holding in your immediate awareness, not just rehearsing it which is what um, more short-term memory is. Working memory is the space where you may work with incoming information, but you can also use working memory to retrieve saved information from long-term memory, which is basically where we keep all our memories for things like facts that we have learned, events that have happened in our lives, different ideas or concepts, and procedures, like how to do things. So for example, if you were going to solve a math problem, you would look at the problem and decide what procedure you would need to use to solve that problem. You would retrieve that procedure from your long-term memory, hopefully it's something you've already learned, and you would use it to complete the math problem. And with each step of the problem that you're solving, your working memory allows you to make decisions about what to do next, and it keeps you on track until the problem is solved and you've completed it. 
Another example we could do is with reading. When you read, you use working memory to collect all of those words and the meanings and ideas that they represent, and it allows you to make sense of what you were reading. Because you hold the first sentence that you read in your working memory while you read the next sentence, and then you connect the meanings or ideas of what is being said by the author overall by connecting all those sentences. Um, another example I could give where you use working memory is perhaps when you create a grocery list based on the types of recipes that you want to make for dinner in the upcoming week. So while you make a menu of what you would like to cook, you start thinking about what ingredients you might already have in your kitchen and what you'll need to buy at the grocery store. So this involves working memory to hold the recipe in mind, but then to work by trying to think about the ingredients you already have, and maybe perhaps even going and looking in your fridge or pantry, and then also thinking about the ingredients that you're going to have to put on your list. And working memory helps you sort of work with all that information and coordinate it all, so at the very end you've got your menu and your grocery list. So I'll talk a little bit more now about how working memory and attention go together. And based on these examples that I've just shared, you may have already started to figure out how attention can play a role or affect work, working memory. Attention is absolutely necessary to be able to use working memory most efficiently and effectively. If a person is not paying attention to what they're doing in a particular moment, the information is not entering working memory in an effective way and the result is that the person will have trouble completing the task or they may make errors in what they're doing. So when attention is a problem for a person, perhaps such as a person who has a diagnosis of ADHD, distractions and irrelevant information such as random thoughts or perhaps sounds in the room may enter working memory and decrease its capacity to hold the information that is actually relevant to the task at hand because it's holding all of the other information the random thoughts, the sounds, those kinds of things. So for example we've all probably experienced leaving our desk or our work area to go get something, perhaps a drink of water and on our way there we get distracted by something maybe in the room or maybe we have a random thought and when we get to the kitchen we stand in the middle of the kitchen and we don't know why we went there in the first place. So this is an example of how distraction on our attention can affect the effectiveness of our working memory. Another one we've all probably experienced is trying to read a book in a noisy environment. We start off well and then our attention is pulled away by perhaps say a loud conversation between two people. So we continue to read but then uh, we're not really attending or paying attention to what we're reading because our working memory is filled with the conversation that we are listening to. And as a result, we have no idea what we just read. And this is why it's often common for individuals with ADHD to have difficulty with working memory because attention is so crucial for working memory to be at its best and attention problems are one of the main uh, problems that people with ADHD experience. 
So the relationship between working memory and attention is also related to difficulties with learning. If a child has attention difficulties, then as they learn something new, they may miss crucial pieces of information that would allow them to understand what they're learning because their working memory is being used up by the irrelevant information. And this has been shown in research. So in our last podcast, we talked actually specifically about how the symptoms of inattention were more detrimental to children's reading success than the hyperactive impulsive symptoms. So here we see how important attention is to working memory. Now it's also good to understand that working memory capacity is different for everyone. So some people have large workspaces to hold and work with large amounts of information, while others might have smaller spaces. And also, like I've said before, if attention is a problem for the individual, the size of the working memory space will be decreased, particularly in moments when there is a lot of distractions, so either internal distractions such as thoughts, maybe emotions, or externally noises, a lot of visual stuff to look at. Or perhaps if the person has low motivation towards completing a certain task that they're being asked to do. So thinking about the motivation towards finishing your homework versus playing your favorite video game. It's going to be a lot easier to pay attention when you're playing your favorite video game than it is to finish tedious and boring homework. And just before we go into some of the strategies we'll talk about for helping working memory, I just wanted to make a quick note about multitasking. It is probably the worst way of trying to get things done for anybody, but is particularly problematic for people um, who have working memory and attention problems because your working memory can really only work with information about one type of task at a time as you quickly switch from task to task, which is what multitasking is the information from the previous task begins to fade out of your awareness while you focus on the task that you're just coming to and then this basically creates perfect conditions for making mistakes or perhaps leaving tasks incomplete because you forgot to go back to them. So in general, multitasking is not a good strategy and it's not effective for getting things done, um, either getting them done on time or getting them done correctly, meaning with little or no mistakes. So now we'll talk a little bit more about how you might be able to help your working memory. How can we make it be at its best functioning? And these are strategies that will help you get the most out of your working memory, whether you have working memory and or attention difficulties or not. But they can be very beneficial for individuals with ADHD who often have working memory challenges. So one of the very first things that I would obviously suggest, we've already talked about it, that it's important, is ensure that you are actually engaged with the activity that you're doing by paying attention to it and being present. Parents um, are encouraged to alert their child before giving them instructions. So you might call their name and make sure that they're actually looking at you and have eye contact with you before you start giving them instructions for the task. This means that you know that their attention on you and any information coming at them is going to be 
um, what their working memory is going to be focusing on. It also likely means making sure that the place where you or your child are working is free of clutter and noises in the environment so that your working memory gets the best out of your attention. So decrease distractions, whether that's noise level or clutter in your workspace, visual clutter. Another very good strategy for working memory and also for learning and memorizing things is chunking information. So when trying to learn or memorize new information, it's best to organize it in a way that maximizes the amount that we can remember or put into our long-term memory. And research has shown that we can remember around three to five chunks of information. And this is obviously going to be different from person to person, so you have to experiment with um, how much you can do yourself or your child can do. And an obvious example of chunking that we all do is separate telephone numbers into chunks using dashes. So rather than trying to memorize one long series of numbers, we memorize a few chunks. So if you need to remember several different facts or ideas, try to find a way that works for you to remember the items perhaps in common categories and keep it somewhere between three to five chunks. So for example, if you needed to learn the definitions of several words, you could chunk the words into categories that make sense to you and organize the definitions that way into chunks. Another strategy that's really great is using visuals, and this is related to chunking. So we usually do a lot better at processing information when we can make it visual, in addition to it being verbal, meaning something we listen to or something that is being spoken to us, and, and more abstract, meaning when we read words about something on a page. We have to make it visual, turn it into pictures, make it concrete. You can combine chunking and visual strategies by organizing your information into chunks and also using certain pictures to represent the chunks. Um, an example of a visual strategy could be using pictures to remember the first three strategies that I've given you. So my example would be you could picture a magnifying glass to represent paying attention. You could picture a jar of chunky peanut butter to represent chunking. And you could picture an eye, an eyeball, to represent visuals. Now you've got three pictures that represent three different strategies. And those pictures help cue what you know about those strategies. Attention, chunking, and visuals. And you've basically made the association stronger by adding the visual component rather than just trying to remember the words or the ideas of attention, chunking, and visual. When using the visual strategy, it's very important to pick your own pictures or symbols because the more, the, ma the more they make sense to you, the more you will remember and understand the information that you're trying to learn. So another strategy that's very good for helping with working memory is breaking tasks down into smaller steps or smaller chunks. So if your child is asked to complete a large project for school, and they have difficulty with, say, working memory or attention, they will likely benefit from breaking the task down into smaller parts. When a task is broken down into small, manageable pieces, working memory is not overloaded by the demands of all the pieces coming at them all at once. 
and not knowing where to start or how long it's going to take, those kinds of things. So your child can work on the first couple steps and then continue to move to the next step and the next step until they finished. Another strategy we can use for working memory is visual reminders. So we can use visual strategies, like I said earlier, to learn new information or to memorize it. We can also use visual strategies to remind ourselves to do certain things in our daily life. So we can give children checklists of tasks that they need to complete, say for a morning routine, brush their teeth, wash their face, get their backpack ready, those kinds of things. Checklists can also be great for children who need a little bit more systematic, step-by-step -step approach for things like editing and checking their work, whether they're um, just editing for things like spelling mistakes, or if they're checking their work for careless errors that might occur because they have attention problems. When we use visual reminders, we don't have to worry about forgetting something throughout our day because the, re the visual reminder is there and it's going to do its job to remind us. And so this frees up space in our working memory because we don't have to constantly be reminding ourselves in our head to do things. Like, oh, don't forget to pick up milk today. Don't forget to pick up milk today. If you went around all day doing that, you'd feel quite exhausted at the end of the day. So um, a solution to that would be to set an alarm, perhaps on your cell phone or something, near the end of the day that reminds you to stop by the grocery store to pick up milk on your way home. Timers and alarms, like I just said, are also good ways of externalizing these reminders rather than keeping them in our heads so we don't always have to hold them in our minds all day long. Um, another strategy that is very important to overall health and well-being, but also to things like working memory and attention, is sleep. So getting good quality sleep is helpful to our working memory for a number of reasons. And we know from research that sleeping after learning something new helps us to consolidate or store that new information into our long-term memory. If we sleep well after learning, we are doing our working memory a favor in the future when we have to retrieve that newly learned information and work with it. Because if the information was effectively stored in a long-term memory, we don't have to struggle as much to remember and pull it into working memory when we need to use it. So a prime example of this is when we need to quickly pull out information that we have learned when we're writing a test or an exam. Another advantage to getting good sleep that has been found in research is that when we are well rested, we are better able to handle situations that may cause more intense emotions, say frustration or anger. Studies have shown that brain scans of individuals who were sleep deprived had less activity in their prefrontal cortex when reacting to an emotional situation, and instead, more activity was seen in the amygdala, which is the, the more emotional part of the brain. So working memory and all other executive functions are housed in the prefrontal cortex. If we only rely on our amygdala, the emotional part of the brain, we are likely going to react emotionally in a way that we will later regret because we were less capable to process that incoming information with our frontal lobes allowing for a more
controlled, appropriate response in the moment. Another strategy that also can be considered helpful for working memory is to, again, help to in increase attention so that the information coming into working memory um, is best utilized. So fidgeting or doodling can also be very helpful. So when you have to sit through a long lecture or talk or presentation and you have trouble paying attention in those times, it may be helpful to fidget with an object or to doodle on a piece of paper. Fidgeting or doodling may provide your working memory and attention with just enough sensory input that you're actually able to stay focused during long lectures or work meetings. So for children, fidget toys can be very helpful for this. You just have to make sure that they are not distracting to the child and to others, and that the child knows exactly what purpose they serve, and that they're not toys in the normal sense of what we think of toys. They're more considered as tools for helping with attention. Um, another really simple strategy for helping with working memory is to take breaks. Sometimes you need to just have a break, move around, get your body up, get some fresh air, and come back to what you're working on with fresh eyes. This strategy can also be useful for children. Breaks can also serve as rewards for getting a certain amount of work done in a certain um, time period. And one of the last strategies that I'll share that can be very helpful for working memory and attention is mindfulness. More and more research has been coming out recently that shows that practicing mindfulness can have many benefits for our, our overall well-being, with one of the ben benefits being improved attention. And we will have a future podcast specifically about mindfulness and ADHD, so for now I'll just say if you're are a little bit unfamiliar with mindfulness, it involves practices that cultivate greater attention and awareness in the present moment. So rather being stuck in a chain of random thoughts or distracted by things in our environment, we learn with mindfulness practices that allow us to be present in the things that we are doing in our daily life. One very simple and practical example of um, um, of mindfulness to help you pre prevent losing your keys is to say to yourself as you put your keys down on a table, putting keys on table, rather than throwing them on the table without being aware of it. You intentionally take a moment to watch yourself do it and you speak the action to yourself. This will likely mean that you will have a better chance of remembering where your keys are because you actively engage with setting them on the table rather than throwing them where, throwing them there while thinking about something else. And like I said before, we will talk about mindfulness a lot in a lot more detail in future podcasts. So I hope you enjoyed our podcast on working memory. Try out some of those strategies, and if you'd like some more information about working memory and attention, visit ADHDfamilies.ca for more information. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Inside ADHD, the official podcast for ADHDfamilies.ca. For more information about ADHD and how to help your child, visit ADHDfamilies.ca and follow us on Twitter.